it's great to lean in and have that community superpower, but also think about what other superpowers you might want to have, whether it's e-learning, whether it's support, or whether it's growth marketing. Welcome back to Titans of Customer Engagement, a customer experience podcast from Koros. You are looking for the next step toward creating a connected customer experience. And this is the place to learn from industry peers and leaders how to build a CX strategy with human connection so that you can create customers for life. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Titans of Customer Engagement podcast. I'm Natanya Anderson, VP of Customer Solutions here at Koros. And today I am thrilled to be joined by Scott K. Wilder, Head of Customer Engagement and Community at HubSpot. Scott, thanks so much for joining us today. Happy to have you on our podcast. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. Well, let's just dive right in then. Before we talk about your business and your community and all of your your wisdom and lessons learned, I would love to know a little bit about your journey personally, professionally, and how you got to the role that you're in today. Sure. More than happy to share that. So I've been involved with community in some fashion since, well, since Prodigy, CompuServe, and AOL. In fact, I developed something that was on Prodigy once. Wow. That was called Frontier, which was a learning tool for kids, which I actually wish I went to do that because right now I'd be on an island someplace and we wouldn't have to worry about being on a podcast. No, it's great to be here. Um, but I was brought out to um, Silicon Valley in nine, 1990 from New York City. And I like to tell people that that stubborn, slightly aggressive New Yorker on the inside, but California since the 90s has mellowed me out on the outside. <laughs> and so anyway, so I came out to Silicon Valley and I was hired by Silicon Graphics to develop something called the Electronic Channel, which today we would call the internet. Oh, right. Wow. And so at that point in time, they were doing email support via the internet. And then also at that time, there were some folks there who were experimenting with something called the browser. So in my journey, I worked at a number of places after that doing community stuff, but as well digital marketing and e-commerce. Worked at Intuit, um, where I started their small business community. That was several years later. I scaled that to about 2 million people. And then I worked at Google as a full-time consultant doing it, then worked at Marketo. But I'll stop at the Marketo experience because... What happened then, I think this is really important for community folks, is I almost became too much of a community person. And what do I mean by that, right? So I was doing digital marketing and e-commerce, and then when I was at Marketo, I realized that I was branded just as a community person. Now today, you know, community is a hot item. Everybody, you know, a hot item in terms of community managers, community officers, you know, chief community officers, mm -hmm. et cetera. But at that time, I decided that, there need to be, needed to be more to me than just a community thing. And I also read an article about the T-shaped marketer. And the T-shaped marketer says, if you think about it horizontally, it's like all these different experiences you have in terms of marketing. But, but vertically, it's really, I'm going to focus on two or three things, and those are going to be my superpowers. So we can debate if I have a superpower with community. But the other thing I tried to develop was growth marketing and product growth. So I was at Marketo, I knew how to do Salesforce then, and I said I decided to make a conscious career pivot. And usually when I do these on videos, I spin around <laughs> and do a pivot. Since so y'all can't it. see, he literally just pivoted. It was totally worth it, which I could share it with you. <laughs> so I decided to leverage what I knew about Marketo, 
uh, marketing automation, rev, uh, revenue operations, and Salesforce, and take a deep dive in that. So I actually got a job at Adobe as a consultant. Then I worked at Coursera, and I ran um, B2C marketing for Udacity, where my main focus was growth marketing, um, but I also focused on community in those spaces. And in that journey, I ran into somebody um, at HubSpot, and I shared with them that I really think community is a great great name, great space, but it, what I really think it should evolve to is a true customer engagement platform where you're running your user groups on that platform, you're running your events on that platform, you're rubbing, you're rubbing, you're, you're running your, <laughs> your learning information or learning type of academy on that platform, et cetera. And this is exactly what we did at Marketo. So at Marketo, we had on the same platform community, all our support, so you'd open up tickets from the platform and our e-learning. And so taking a little bit of that, taking a little bit of the growth DNA and applying it to HubSpot to build this customer engagement platform. And so far, I think we've had a lot of success. We can talk more about that later, but that's really been my journey. And so I think my, my two cents for folks is it's great to lean in and have that community superpower, but also think about what other superpowers you might want to have, whether it's e-learning, whether it's support, or whether it's growth marketing. Well, fantastic. What a journey. I love the something called a browser. But, you know, also this thought of how are we transitioning customer support? When I when I listen to you tell this story, I have an everything old is new again moment, right? Because I, I feel like we continue to solve for the same needs in new and really interesting ways. And, you know, one of the other nuggets that I that I heard that I really want to say again for current practitioners of community, quite frankly, those who might have co-workers who are practitioners of community, people who are considering customer engagement broadly, is evolving community to a true customer engagement platform. Because I, I think what, what you illustrated for us is certainly community as it is, is very powerful. But if you can up-level and expand the way that you think about community, it may have an opportunity to more deeply impact your business if you're willing to see it through a slightly different lens. Yeah, what I would add to that, so like advocacy is a great example as you transition from support to a more marketing focus. You know, what we what we have on our platform is basically we're integrating the whole advocacy experience with community. And I think if somebody, I like to talk about Venn diagrams a lot. So if you, you know, you can see me draw on the air here or just imagine mm -hmm. it. You have your community champions, you have your rising stars, which we'll talk about. You have your advocates, you have your customer advisory council. Like there's a lot of overlap with these groups, let's face it, like, you know, at least in the companies I've been in. And so that's another reason to think about your platform being a customer engagement platform. So there's one place for them to go to. And then if you get really good at this, you know, we all know what it's like to work. Well, some of us know what it's like to work in a bigger company. So, mm -hmm. but if it's, it's one place and you can be really consistent and mindful in terms of the messaging you do to these folks. No, I think that that's this idea of the overlap, even though in our minds, sometimes we want to silo, not only our customers, but the folks that we work with. But I, I think that that point about really considering where that, what that Venn diagram looks like. And I think that's like a, a really practical takeaway for folks who might be listening today, right? How do you, how can you go through that Venn diagram exercise uh, on a real whiteboard or a virtual whiteboard? given the world we live in today and, and really start to explore, I think, those connection points, which might present a lot of opportunity for considering growth and evolution options. Yeah. And I, what I, I'll add one more thing is that Venn diagram, you know, we all create customer journeys. So the Venn diagram comment makes me think about customer journeys. And 
One of my pet peeves is that customer journeys are done, A, without a customer in the room, and B, <laughs> they're done, and then they kind of go into the virtual closet. No one looks at them for six to 12 months. And so whether it's your Venn diagram or whether it's a customer journey, it, I think it's really important to look at those every month or so at the team level, just to reassess that you have the right information, the right issues you're trying to solve. Oh, yeah. I think that that's such a great piece of advice. I'm now having a moment of how often am I reviewing some of these things with my team and do I need to step it up? I have just made a mental note to go adjust my team meeting agendas. <laughs> and so as, as we think then about your experience that you've had and now you're at HubSpot and we've talked a little bit about a community being more than just community, can you share a little bit about how your community has evolved and the role that it plays in your, your organization and your customer experience today. Yeah. So, you know, like a lot of us, we start out as a support community. It was started in 2016 and then it moved from support into marketing uh, when I joined the company, uh, which was a year ago, one year, one month, one week. Wow. One hour. Nice. Uh, um, <laughs> and so then at that point in time, we looked at how to integrate it more with a customer marketing or customer success or, or product marketing, right? So all these different areas of the company, how do we integrate community with them? And then um, the next step in evolution was putting community on the same team as the academy, mm. and, right? So we think about you know, people go to community to, I like to say, master the product, master their craft and master their career. Academy has a huge role to play in that. And we have a, what I believe is a very successful academy program. However, you know, we have different people from, we have different languages. Uh, we can't think of every course to teach. And so what community can do is have users supplement the academy content. Right? So that's kind of the evolution we've gone through from mm -hmm. support to customer marketing to this. Now, how do we integrate? We call it the network, but how do we integrate with the academy? And there'll be more and more integrations of that sort over time. You know, I am really inspired by the linkages that you've created inside of key business initiatives, because I th think that it can be really easy to consider something like an academy, which has a business created set of content that's very intentional. And, and to your point, you can't create all the content. There's some practical limitations, but also some experience that customers and community members can bring that really can't be sourced anyplace else. And by willing to be open-minded about the opportunities that your communities and your customers have to add to and make greater than the sum of their parts, what you're already doing in your academy, really shows, I think, just another example of, of how can you think about how the community can be more, can be deeper, and can be more than just a single threaded or, or a single focused uh, exercise inside your organization. And so I hope it encourages folks to, to look around and think about how do we collaborate more? How do we see a path that it could, that community could take that might not be as expected inside of our organization? And, and to your point, when you said you were too much of a community person, right? How can, how can we help people not have the community be too much of just community, right? It's a really similar, a, a really similar uh, theme, I think. Yeah. I think in a lot of these situations, the company culture is really key here. You know, for example, our organization is a bit matrix, but you know, if, if you read about HubSpot, and I recommend mm -hmm. you read about the culture being one of our top products, um, mm -hmm. it's a really good document that you probably can find there if you search on on the internet. So, you know, the culture in terms of like how groups work together is really important, and so that's made. There's no friction in terms of trying to work with other groups. And the other thing is, you know, our products are all homegrown. 
the community is on Coros, um, but mm-hmm. our products are homegrown. So that also creates kind of a philosophy about integration, right? So when we create those products, we're really thinking about how our marketing hub integrates with our service hub, which integrates with our RevOps hub. And so that's, you know, I talked about culture and now, now I'm talking about like this mindset of mm-hmm. how do you integrate, whether it's customer experiences, whether it's technology, et cetera. You know, that's, I, I'm always happy to have the conversation about culture, it, it, you know, years ago, this has been around a long time. I think as long as we've been working in this, the space we call digital, that culture eats strategy for lunch and this opportunity to, you can have the best strategies, but if your culture's not, not created to support them, it becomes incrementally harder to, to roll the rock uphill, right? Whereas culture can really be what creates sort of greases the, the skids in terms of being able to move an initiative uh, ahead. But I think it's also really interesting to, to spin the lens and say, what opportunities does culture create that strategy alone simply couldn't create or wouldn't even know how to think about? Exactly. And we like to say also, you know, alignment leads to good strategy. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've been in a few companies. <laughs> Too many, but you know, I, I've witnessed when culture actually creates roadblocks for groups to work together on community projects or other projects, right? And part of it is also related to the reward system in the company and all all those sorts of things. Yeah, you know, it's it's never as black and white as we would have it, right? We can prescribe a lot of ways that you can make your community successful and hear all of the, the tactics and strategies that you can bring to the table. But I would suggest for folks who might be listening, who might be struggling a little bit, it's like, can you widen your aperture a bit and understand where there may be things like your culture that you might need to consider incremental solutions for and even potentially get help navigating, right? Beyond just the basics of how do you drive success with any particular initiative, community, or otherwise. So, you know, I, I think as we as we then consider, speaking of community best practices and, and business best practices, I would love to know if there are commonly held beliefs or ways of working that you just think differently about or that you disagree with or that you would encourage folks to think differently about. Yeah. So uh, two come to mind. One is because I leaned into uh, mark- marketing growth, growth marketing and product growth, I think having that growth mindset in a community space is really important. So what do I mean by that? I'm using the acronym, have the road model. So run like a growth squad, optimize different parts of the journey, get alignment across the organization and be data driven. Mm. So that's one thing as you know, we can stop there for a second, but really that growth mindset and anybody who works in that area knows that, you know, um, experiments, testing, fine tuning over time, continuous improvement. Those are all key elements. Wow. I want to make a graphic. I feel like we should, we should talk to our teams about that. That's something that I would like to put up uh, on my computer and share with my team from a growth mindset perspective. Wow. Are there other thoughts that you have, things that you would encourage people to think differently about or, or to challenge, right, in their status quo thinking? Yeah. So when you think about content, right, user-generated content is really key, but you as a community manager can, you know, do certain things to encourage the content. You can, you know, on Coros, you can do promoted search, so that helps people find things. You can encourage certain users. So, you know, what I've done in the past, encourage certain users to create content, so what I've done in the past is actually say, here's the syllabus. I need help filling it in mm. with content. Can mm-hmm. you do that? But I think a big opportunity is um, not to throw out a lot of acronyms today, but maybe mm-hmm. it's acronym day here in San <laughs> like Francisco. It. What I'm calling is the COP, the content operations person. And what I mean by that is we tend to look at our own search, 
search results. We tend to look at what forums are doing well. But I think as community managers, especially if you're in a larger company and have other platforms, is to look at search results on other platforms you own, right? So mm-hmm. whether it's for us, it's HubSpot.com. It could be our knowledge base uh, content. And looking for trends in there, whether it's keyword related or topic related, and thinking about how you bring that information, that knowledge back into the community. So what we try and do is we say, what are people searching on on Google to get Mm -hmm. to the site? And of course, we look at what people are searching on on the site. But then we also look at our other properties to see what's trending, what's coming up. And so I think as a content, if you're orchestrating the content and your community manager is to really say, what other resources can you tap into? And if another other thing is, I'm talking about content that outside of Google that you, you know, you have insight into. But then you can also start looking at what's trending on Twitter in terms of hashtags. And so it's really thinking beyond your borders and saying, what trends can I identify, and how can I bring that back into the community? Right. That's that's so such an opportunity that can be easy to access with just a little bit of work. It also creates an opportunity to connect with other teams potentially, right? To help get them a little foot in the door to the the power of community, right? When When you're seeking to build those relationships. Back in the day when I was at Whole Foods, we would do something similar when we were trying to decide what content are we going to put on social because we really wanted to offer useful, helpful content that that would help people meet their own personal goals, whether it was how they were shopping for groceries or what they were doing with their life and their health choices. And we would we would run Google searches, right? We would look at what's trending. We would look at what people were searching for. And every single time I did that, I was surprised and the business was surprised. And when I was bringing that back into the business, seeking to create content, other people would be like, wait, people actually care about healthy eating between Christmas and New Year's? And I'm like, yes, they do, apparently. Maybe we're the only ones with all the debauchery, right? And so I think there becomes this really interesting opportunity to to connect the dots into what people are are needing, but also to share what you're learning inside the organization and, and make people think differently a little bit about community and, and the role that it plays. So so it's, it's exciting to hear that that's still a really viable topic uh, or approach all these years later. You know, it if we think about your community and it sounds like there's a lot that's been happening since you joined, what's happened recently that's been a great success or something you're really proud of that you and your team have done? So we recently leaned into groups, group mm-hmm. hubs, to use the proper chorus, chorus <laughs> term. So I want to make sure I'm using the right vocabulary. We appreciate that. And that's really, you know, we know from Facebook and other, you know, from Reddit, places like that, that like-minded people getting together and sharing stuff at a smaller size, like not the hundred of thousand or Mm -hmm. millions of people. Like we love to talk about the millions of people on our communities, but it's those smaller groups where people can really share things. And so we recently launched group hubs and that has been a tremendous success. Now, several things about it. So one is we also leveraged it to integrate group hubs into our academy experience by creating study groups. Ooh, interesting. Okay, so, you know, somebody on the team had the great idea of doing this. And uh, so as you go through the academy and you go through your learning, you can then go into these study groups and share, you know, whatever learnings you have. You can play whatever role you want in a study group. And the learnings for me from a previous journey is when I worked at Udacity, we tried to smother people, our students. We never called them people, never called them customers. Smothered our students Mm -hmm. with human love by having a teacher, a mentor, a TA, et cetera. And so taking all those learnings, somebody who really knows Academy, 
what we learned, you know, in previous experiences at Udacity and creating these study groups and group hubs has been extremely successful for us. And it's really impacted us in a number of ways. Engagement is up, traffic is up, registration is up. I guess I should say those in the proper order. Traffic, registration, and engagement, <laughs> um, and, and advocacy. There's probably another acronym in there somewhere. So that's been probably the you know, the, the biggest learning and, and a nice surprise. Yeah, I continue as we go through this conversation to, to, to feel this theme of cross-pollination and expanding, uh, thinking about the opportunity that that community can offer. And I think there's this, this empowerment piece that I'm also getting a feeling from you that, that there's just this deep desire to empower your customers to connect with one another. And also to, like, you know, I, I wrote down because I just, I think it's so powerful to master your product, master your craft and master your career, right? That it, it's, so much more. Of course, you start with product because you know we're in a world where where part of your your role is to to sell product. But I love that that's the foundational piece, right? And it becomes then about craft and then about career. And when I hear you talk about the integration of group hubs into into the academy, that seems to be really well aligned with that ethos of we're doing more than just trying to have a community that supports product, right? And there's the doing more piece that I keep hearing from you as we have this conversation. Yeah. And so it's interesting, you know, for us, people who work with me, I guess, you know, this is where the New York side comes out in me is kind of, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to think of a nice word to say here, but anyway, I'm a bit of a pain about really identifying the type of individuals that are responding to each, to responding on the community. Mm-hmm. Are they champions? Are they rising stars? Are they partners? Are they developers? And so We look at that really closely because we're really trying to encourage these folks, make it useful for them to help each other, right? So, you know, what you put in, you get it, you get out or whatever the expression is, but really Mm -hmm. encouraging user, user contribution and et cetera. And then the other thing is in terms of that paradigm or the triad of, you know, mastering product, mastering career, mastering product, mastering craft, mastering career, we're also looking at the breakdown of content that falls in each of those buckets, right? So as you think about the community maturation, you know, for many of us, it starts out product focus. And so, you know, for better or worse, maybe 90% is product focus. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, over time, you want that percentage to, to decrease, at least we do, the percentage to decrease and more about like, how do you be a better marketer? How do you be a better customer service person? How do you be a better content creator? So those are just like, two angles, two perspectives we're looking at to help make, you know, helping um, improve engagement on the community. It's a really fascinating way to think about it. And, and at the same time, I think it goes back to the heart of customer engagement and customer experience, which is know your customer, right? If you're not thinking really specifically about who it is that you're trying to engage. And, and also what you said earlier about when you're working on customer journeys without a customer in the room, I think so many of us have great intentions around all thing customer, all things customer, but then are we asking the customer? Are we inviting the customer actually into the conversation and actually into the room, right? And and what are we doing with that? Yeah, not to do a commercial here, but you know <laughs> somebody's got to pay for it. no. Um, not to do a commercial <laughs> here, but um, I highly recommend the book Working Backwards. It's an app about Amazon, mm-hmm. and you know working backwards for them is starting with the customer first. And uh, you know I think we all say we're customer focused, but I think when you read that book, you'll see a new perspective on 
being customer focused. In a moment of, I think, irony, uh, going to add that to my Audible reading list in my Amazon cart. <laughs> I saw so, you multitasking there. <laughs> I'm like, here, let me go get that book right now. I have some credits to use. So, you know, as, as we think about, we talked about a lot of great innovation and, and a lot of great crossovers and, and things that are going really beautifully. But, but I'd like to stop for a minute and just talk about when things don't go quite like you would expect them to. I think uh, personally, there's a lot of opportunity to learn from failure, but it takes a little bit of courage and vulnerability to be able to, to look at those things and, and honor them for what they are. And I wonder if you would be willing to share with us something that maybe didn't go quite like you expected and what you did with that. Yeah, no, certainly. So when I was at Intuit, you know, basically the story of Intuit is that I was running the e-commerce site and all the hotshot marketers kept saying, we need more content. We need more content. And I was like, show me the money and I can you know, <laughs> hire somebody, but nobody showed me the money. So I kind of dipped into my past and remembered like, you know, user created content community can be really key. So basically with my manager's blessing, Elliot's blessing, I created community kind of on the side and little mm. did I know it would take off right away. And that was my hope, but it you know it scaled to five hundred thousand to a million with under a year. So, but when it was scaling, I was like, oh no, it's just me. I can't answer every question, and I can't like you know play moderator for everything. So I kind of dipped into my past again and hired all these people, about three or four of them, who really know online communities and are great community managers and moderators. Like I thought I was really smart. I got the SWAT team in there. They they got on it right away. I got onboarded them. They jumped into it, and guess what? The backlash from the community. They're like, why did you bring <sighs> these people in who don't know anything about small businesses? Oh, right? no. Because there's something about being a small business owner and mm -hmm. don't know anything about Intuit's products. And I was like, holy beep, <laughs> I made a mistake, right? Like I thought I was smart hiring these people. And so what I did was a quick pivot. What I did was I went to the call center, which actually I, one thing I like to say also is when I was at Intuit, I used to sit on a, in a couch outside my office and listen to calls from the call center. And so I knew some of the, the reps. And so I went to the call center and with their, the management team's blessing, I found five people who I thought would be great on community. They had no community experience. They knew the product. They each had their own small business at one point. We did a crash course training, a lot of ongoing training, and I put them on community. And so I guess my learnings there were, I'm not as smart as I thought I was at the time. <laughs> Two is, you know, I see all these posts for community managers, but I think one thing that's missing is do they really understand the audience and the customer, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, some of the coolest community jobs out there in the gaming industry, but I'm not a gamer. So right. like, right. you know, what am I going to, you know, I don't know the audience. And so I, I could probably like try and figure it out, but I'd, you know, if I was hiring somebody, I'd want to hire somebody who really has empathy for that audience and that really knows them, you know, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a challenge sometimes to teach people community management, but I will say that going to the support center and call center and hiring people who knew the product, who had SMB experience, and then training them and providing ongoing training was, was successful. And it was a huge learning for me. And to be honest, it, it humbled me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so a, a little bit of a cautionary tale there for both those who would hire community managers, but potentially community managers who are seeking roles, right? The Once again, customer centricity and know your customer and know how to best serve them. And I think what we, we all have always known, but is, is so true today and being shown up is our customers are going to tell us when we don't get it right. The question is, are we willing to listen? Exactly. You know, it's a, 
I was having, um, I was at a group dinner the other night with our, uh, one of the leaders in our company. And they told me about when they interviewed a uh, partner, one of our customer partners, you know, what do we do? We say like, what's working for you? You know, tell me about your experience. And you know what the partner said to, said to her, Hmm. stop listening to me. (laughs) Right. I love that. They, they basically said, start, start implementing what you've talked about and what we've talked about. Stop asking me how I am. You know, nice, <laughs> which I thought was, yeah, it was beautiful. And I, it is, no, but that's it, awesome. Listen to your customers, but you have to act on it too. There's only right, so- <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, great. I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you, but show me the money, show me where you're doing the work. Right. Cause if not, then, you know, back when I was a customer, that, that was my thing. I'm happy to fill out your surveys. I'm happy to be part of the voice. I'm always happy to tell you what I think, but at some point you got to do something with what I'm giving you. Right. It's, it's, it's not so much a contractual, like a, like a on paper contractual obligation, but I think it's a partnership obligation, right? If you're going to, if you're going to call someone a partner, you have to, to listen to them and to your point and do what they, what they would suggest, or at least deeply consider what they should suggest you do. <laughs> we call that the say do ratio. Yes. Ooh, I love that one. So, you know, as, as we sort of wind ourselves down, this has been an amazing conversation and I have, I've taken so many notes so, so much so that I haven't quite bought, quite bought that book yet, but that's next when I'm done. I wonder lots of nuggets that you've dropped today and so many things I think people can, can do now that they can action, including all of the acronyms. But, you know, if you had another nugget for us, right, like something that an action that our listeners can take right now to start creating better customer experiences, like, like if you were sitting on that couch with someone, right, and, and su- making a suggestion to them, like what would that be? It's so funny you said the couch, because I was going to say, make some popcorn, get on the couch, make, set up hot jar or crazy egg on your, comp- on your community, and look at those two tools give you the ability to look at how people are clicking through your site, right? Mm. So basically you can see where they're clicking. You can do it through a heat map or you can do it through a video. The videos with Hotjar, you have to look one by one. That's why you need the popcorn because it's going to mm-hmm, be mm-hmm. a long sit-in. <laughs> but it's incredibly insightful. Probably for me, I mean, obviously talking to a customer is really important on Zoom or real time in person. But you know, if you ask a customer to show me, if you say to a customer, show me what you're doing, they know you're looking over their shoulder. With Hotjar or Crazy Egg, they don't know that. And sorry, maybe I need to let the privacy people know. But, <laughs> but basically, it's a tool that really lets you know how people are clicking through your site. And mm-hmm. with the heat maps, you know where they're spending most of their time. And so, you know, we're looking at potentially redesigning some of our site. And so one of the exercises we're going through as a team or individually is getting a bowl of popcorn mm, and really mm-hmm. looking at <laughs> those home movies, no, those videos <laughs> of what people are doing. And it's really, uh, you know, I would definitely recommend, highly recommend that. You need to put some a snippet of code on your site, but once you do that, it's paradise. Wow. Such a great way to capture voice of customer, I think in a truly honest way, right? Because I, I, you know, as people, we're always going to, I think, bring, bring our, our, our humanity to a conversation. So we're going to consider what we say and think about who we're talking to, because, because that's how we want to be as people and matching that with what are people actually doing and matching that, what they say and, and what actions they take together to, to paint a picture with the ultimate goal of making it better, for them. Right. And, and so it's just a different way to capture the voice of customer. And I'm all about the popcorn. Like if you're going to, you're going to sit down and have a moment, bring a snack. Yeah. No butter, no butter, <laughs> no butter. <laughs> 
Well, thank you so much. And as we wrap up, I wonder where people can follow you to get more content because there's so much wisdom and so many gems here that I know people will want to go get a little bit more. So where can we find you out on the interwebs? So I'm always on LinkedIn. I respond to everything. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Scott K. Wilder. And then also you can email me if you want, swilder at hubspot.com. Yeah, like I said, you know, for me, all this is about learning. So I'm sure your questions are going to like give me inspiration in terms of things to try and figure out and learn. You'll have to report back to me about the number of LinkedIn messages and emails. I'm about to go like message you on LinkedIn for fun. But I'm not I really that popular. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I so deeply appreciate your time and your wisdom and all that you've been willing to share with us today. There have been so many takeaways that I think people working in community, considering community or just broader customer engagement can really consider as they think about how they create better customer experiences. And so thank you, Scott K. Wilder, so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Really good questions. And I look forward to seeing the reruns. Thanks for spending time with us today on Titans of Customer Engagement, a customer experience podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, leave us a review, and spread the word. Your feedback means a lot to us. Continue the conversation on Koros Atlas at community.koros.com. Until next time. The CX world is now digital first. It's what customers expect and Koros can help. Koros is an award-winning customer engagement platform built to turn those siloed interactions with your customer into enterprise value. You can harness the power of human connection across the customer experience from outbound marketing, social, messaging, chat and SMS to owned and digital communities. Customer engagement means staying always connected. Find out how customer-first software and services can make you a titan of customer engagement at koros.com.